Welcome back to The Reset Rebel with me, Joe Yule. And although our US audience is often quite small compared to, say, our main audience in Belgium or Spain and the UK, so if you're listening in any of those three places, um, a massive warm hello and welcome to today's show. Um, but when I check the stats of this series, I realise that you know even if this message reaches one pair of ears, it's going to be worth it for me. So before we get into today's interview with our legendary house vocalist, um, Peyton, who popped in to see me here this week at the Hub Studios, I'm just going to say that I'm actually sitting recording this introduction um, in a teepee, which is on the roof of the Hub Studios. It's my new favourite place on the planet, just um, just to let you know. Um, but, you know, I just want to take a quick minute to address that on June the 24th, the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade was massive and absolutely devastating. This decision stripped away the legal right for women to have a legal abortion, but more importantly, the right to have a safe abortion. Restricting access to reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and the independence of all Americans. So this decision could also lead to the loss of other rights there. And it feels important to at least kick off with this message at the beginning of today's podcast. So if you're listening um, and you're in a pit of despair or you know somebody who is, please head to podvoices.help. There you can find solutions and more information on what's possible. Um, I love the fact that the podcast community is coming together to try to amplify the voices and the rights of women and get this message out there. That is podvoices.help. Please share this with anyone you know. Um, who might need it the link is also going to be in our show notes okay on with the show and to a man who I feel maybe my path is crossed with at some point in the hazy and possibly not too distant past and the glory days of what was then El Divino uh, and the label Nights that also used to be held there under the banner of Head Candy maybe you remember it or maybe you don't but for me Um, That must have been at least 20 years back that he was performing. Um, And it brought back some incredible memories. Um, And he's now creating a brand new record called Revival, which is being recorded at the Abbey Road Studios in London, no less, where the Beatles made almost all of their music between, I think it was 1962 and 1970. So it's the oldest purpose-built recording studio in the world. And it's best known to most people for being the creative base for the Fab Four. So in today's show, we're going to be hearing the full story of Peyton and how he came to be in Ibiza and how he came to be making this record um, and how the whole thing came about and has some really big names on it in the music industry, not to mention some of the absolute classic tracks that we all know and love. And you'll be hearing a little bit of that a little bit later in today's show. So let's get on with it. And into today's guest, don't go away. So, Peyton, welcome to the Reset Rebel podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Great to be back in Ibiza and nice to meet you. I love the fact that you were almost on time, but didn't quite make it um, as, t- as as kind of punctually as you as you planned. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was it was very disappointing because I was incredibly um, proud of myself for arriving only five minutes late. But after now living in Germany a year and a half, you know, I uh, I thought maybe the Germans have had a positive influence on me because I am more Latin in my timekeeping than Latins, you know. And uh, but it turns out I was at the wrong address, so I don't even get any points for that. But anyway. We'll give you points anyway, because you're here, and that's that's something. That's the way I like to play the game. Thank you. We're going to get along really well, I think. <laughs> Everybody gets points, no matter what. A, how big of a loser you are. <laughs> it's all about the points, about especially it. in this bloody weather. I mean, Absolutely. the fact that you're here at all is nothing short of a miracle. I'm still alive. I feel like it's an achievement, and especially after the last two years. <laughs> it's like anybody's still here. It's kind of, hey, you get points just for that. <laughs> It's been a exactly. bit of a shitstorm, hasn't it? Um, a global shitstorm, yeah, yes. Global the, the, the biggest and most epic uh, mm. kind of um, real shake-up, yeah. I think. And um, yeah, it is just incredible that we're, we're all still here and things are gently returning back to normal. I mean, just tell us first off, you, me- 
mentioned Germany there. What's your connection to Ibiza? I moved to, well, I, I started working in Ibiza in 2003. Uh, being American, I didn't grow up with any real knowledge of Ibiza. Um, of course, now, you know, Ibiza is kind of uh, on the sort of radar for a much wider um, sort of group of people. But, I mean, at that time, we didn't know anything about Ibiza. So I came in 2003 when I, my first record, A Higher Place, was released on Head Candy. And it and it was a it was a number one hit all over the world. It was kind of it launched my career, and so the label uh, had a residency in Ibiza at what is now Leo. Leo, Jesus, Leo. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Anyway, um, but it was El Divino, of course, then, and I came to sing. Uh, so that's that. That was the first time I ever came to Ibiza, and then I've, I've been performing there for uh, many years. Uh, and then I moved here. Um, I guess it was uh, well, it was about twelve years ago because I fell in love with somebody who was already based here. And it just seemed like the thing to do. Why would he move to London when I could move to Ibiza? And we were living here for 10 years, got married here in 2015. And then, yeah, but sadly, at the beginning of last year, I moved to, uh, well, I mean, sadly, I mean, no offense, Germans, but um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Dusseldorf was never on my, uh, my bucket list. But anyway, I'm now in Dusseldorf, where my husband has work. And as an artist, of course, pandemic wasn't great for us so I wasn't working so so th there it is yeah I'm now in Dusseldorf and um <laughs> and it's fine I mean I really like it it's really <laughs> no no it's, I call it Dusseldorf but that's not fair it's not that bad it's just it's not a beat though Talk to us about the early days. I mean, you mentioned El Divino. I mean, that's got a massively special place in my heart. I mean, I can, the memories of being there are all very vague. But I remember it being surrounded by water. And actually, do you know what? I did not know that that is where Leo used to be. So you've just kind of jogged my memory that yes. that's where those wonderful memories of that place surrounded by water used well, to be, which is fascinating. Fortunately, it's still surrounded by water. <laughs> it hasn't sunk yet. Years or so. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. Until yeah, the whole world dries crossed. up. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that that is uh, that's where El Divino was, and it was really um, those days were special. I mean, I know uh, <laughs> we all tend to wonder if it's just because we're getting older and we have a sort of you know sort of slightly rose-colored kind of nostalgic sort of vision of of the days before. But the truth is, it has it has changed, and I think there was something about that time. The music, I think, um, it had more soul. It had more. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, there were, there were vocals There were, you know, you would go into a club and everybody wasn't standing there with a phone taking a, a 35 minute video of the DJ that they're never going to watch or use for any reason whatsoever. They were dancing. Do you remember those days? I mean, you know, you walk into a club and you went there to dance. You didn't go there to like take a stupid video of the DJ. And, you know, and it was, it was, it was amazing. I can remember like being on the the terrace at El Divino and they were playing, you know, let the sun rise, you know, and the sun was rising up over the sea and we were all just like, wow, it was just, you just felt like you were, you were, you were, you were at some really amazing church, you know, and, and your soul was just being completely restored and, you know, you were, and you would go away exhausted from your trip to Ibiza, but somehow also revitalized. Now I do wonder if the kids that come and party, do they go home with that sort of same combination or they or are they just depleted but did they get the kind of you know the kind of benefits that it used to give you because there was something happening in those in those parties that felt um that felt soulful you know uh and and, and I, I i i miss that um but anyway I'm, I'm working on bringing it back that that's my absolute memory of that venue and you know the fact that you mentioned the head candy parties really actually that's exactly what i remember it you, was the soul you have 100 million percent that's exactly when i started coming to abitha was the oh, early wow. 2000s so that's kind of interesting i'm i'm pretty sure i must have seen you play there yeah. and it's interesting because i had this conversation with you know rebecca who obviously arranged for you to come and meet me today so thanks rebecca by the way if Thank you're listening you, thanks rebecca more <laughs> and i feel like you know i i definitely recall seeing her as well you know playing um some of the tracks that we talked about in that interview as well so it's kind of feels like it was around about the same time you know still had like space on the scene and you know i i saw this vocal that you were doing on instagram this week on her stories and i was like oh my god and that song really sang to me because it reminded me you know of those days and i was like god that just reminds me of being at space being at el divino now i know what it's called and it was just like it well, felt really special time, that, that was shined on me praise cat I bet I've got peace deep in my soul 
Yeah, that that record was around the same time that my my uh, my first single came out of Higher Place. So it, it was that time. It was that that gospely house sound that when it you know when that piano dropped, everybody just went you know went crazy. You know, and everybody sang along, and it was like. Yeah, you know, you were all connected somehow, you know. Remind us what that first single was that you just mentioned to begin with, the first single you said that you put out on Head Candy. Well, we're moving on up to a higher place. It's called a higher place. <laughs> Where the people sing and dance under amazing grace. Just one more time, you're going to see the sun start to shine. Lift your hands up in the air, I'm going to take you higher. <laughs> that does, yeah, that That's does ring a bell. But your voice is like, wow. And you were saying before that it's to do with like, you know, your dad bringing you up um, in that kind of community with, you know, choirs and gospel people around you. And he was a preacher. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I grew up in Virginia um, in the southern part of the United States. My dad uh, and my granddad and my great granddad, they were all evangelical uh, preachers. So I come from a long line of, uh, you know, ministers, evangelists and you know, um, very spiritual, very conservative, um, of course, um, American evangelicals. So when I, so I was, I was raised in the church. I started singing in the church when I was a kid, and I continued uh, doing that um, right up through college. And um, and really, only when I was sort of twenty one in my final year of a very conservative Christian college in the mountains of Tennessee, um, you know, uh, did I kind of finally find my kind of flashlight out of that. Sort of darkness. I mean, there was, a, there was, you know, there's a great deal of uh, spiritual, uh, you know, kind of you know, real wisdom and truth that I think I got from my childhood and from that um, that I have not thrown out. Um, you know, I, I kind of tried not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It was like, you know, there was a lot of good, good in it, but obviously a lot that I don't, you know, I, that doesn't align for me. So, so yeah. So when I left, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really know. Um, I never thought about doing music in any other way other than. Uh, gospel music i just for me the whole the whole kind of music singing god being a vessel to kind of transmit something from a higher power to you know and, and that i just had never thought about it in any other way so i mean i was 33 when i had my first hit so it was, it was a it was a long time after and um and and so you know but when i did uh, it, it was this song that i'd written higher place sounded kind of like gospel music on steroids you know it was uh i didn't really even know house music very well but the record got sent to Head Candy, um, and then Head Candy signed it and got a very uh, legendary uh, producer, Eric Cupper, who did all the Frankie Knuckles productions for like the last 10 years of Frankie's life. Um, Cupper uh, did the first official remix, the Eric, uh, Eric Cupper's Gospel Degree Mix, and, that, and that, that took off in kind of top dance charts around the world. And that was, and I mean, I, I was really like, oh, I didn't know any of this stuff. You know I mean? I was just like, whoa. You know, suddenly I'm like traveling the world and singing this one song that I have everywhere and uh, <laughs> going to Ibiza and like seeing things that were like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, it was a really, you know, it was an incredible time. Like what? What did you see? You can't tease us like that. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know, those were, the <laughs> I think, I think, I don't know how, what the age of your listeners are, but if this is a bit. We're old enough. <laughs> I can vouch for them all. You know, those, 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 in those days, we were, um, well, you know, we were, we were all a little bit rough around the edges. <laughs> Some of us still are. But, you know, we, they used to, Head Candy had a villa for the whole summer. They would actually, in fact, it was the, um, the owner of El Divino. He, he had a beautiful villa at the, at, you know, at the top of one of these hills with incredible views. And that was uh, that was high, basically rented for the whole summer, so that the DJs and the artists would have somewhere to go and stay, and it was great because it was like a family. You know, the label really was. Um, that was kind of the first and last time I had that kind of feeling of having a family in in, in terms of my career, and uh, which is now slowly developing again um, with this new project. But they 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 would just my God, I mean, you know, when you've got a villa and a beat and a bunch of DJs coming over for the weekend. You know, and it's like it was just mayhem. I mean, I mean, I remember just having to like literally at some point go around and administer water and, uh, you know, and, and, and Valium because I'm just like, Jesus, you know, people, you're foaming at the mouth. It's not a good look. Um, and no one's bothered to actually go and buy, uh, you know, perhaps some fruit or something to put in the cupboards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you, come on. If you're going to be in like in a, you know, multi-million euro villa, can we do it with a little bit of styling class? I mean, it's all, it's all well and good to be a trash bag, but can we be a, a classy trash bag at least? <laughs> Have a little fruit smoothie 
after your 400 grams of coke. So, um, <laughs> anyway. Have some decorum. I mean, come on. I'm having a little class. <laughs> really. I mean, hilarious. But anyway, um, no, I've since, uh, since learned my lessons. Always stock the villa first, kids, when you get to Ibiza. First thing you do, gazpacho. It's cold. It's easy to drink at any stage in your debauchery. And it's full of nutrients that will help you continue going for maybe a few more hours. It's all good, you know? Like, <laughs> you got to put in what you take out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Peyton's, you know, instructional guide on how to... <laughs> well, I think it's, yeah, it is a very crucial message and it's not just about partying or any of that. You know, it used to cost us about 12 euros for a, a tiny sip of water in space back Little in the day or, or even in passion. It's, it's yeah. like, what, you know, what's that all about? And I'm so glad, actually, that Ibiza has changed the laws and you can actually get water if you need it in any place you can walk in now and actually get water for free just letting you know actually to wet the whistle there's always somewhere that you can pop in and get some water now one place in some really (laughs) obscure corner of an enormous club that's the size of a small town packed full of people that you i mean you you know where are these little stations that's what i want to know i think you can actually go to the bar and demand water (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> let us know, yeah? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I, please, let us know. Anybody out there, please call in and let us know now if anybody has managed to successfully get a glass of water from a bar staff in a club because I find the idea of that very unlikely. I know, but, you know, one can hope and dream yeah, that that actually is the future of Ibiza. Yes. I mean, talk to us about, I mean, obviously we're called the Reset Rebel. We're all about the re-words. There are 4,000 words that begin with re, so I was very excited about your project. It fits this idea perfectly that we are going to go for. Revival. We need a revival. Can I get a revival? (laughs) Hallelujah. We need a revival. (laughs) But, you know, my dad uh, was an evangelist before he was, you know, a full-time minister for church. In in, In that world, they, you know, a lot of people have heard the word evangelist, but I don't think people quite understand what that necessarily means. But... Explain it for us. Well, in the well, well, you tell. You've asked so nicely, Joe. I guess I will. I, <laughs> an evangelist in that world, in the Pentecostal world, is somebody was is a preacher, basically a traveling preacher. So, if you're a church uh, somewhere, you have your normal Sunday morning minister, who is your kind of you know your your main guy. But then you know you need to kind of give the congregation a little something extra. Maybe they're you know they're 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 they're, they're all flaking a bit. They all need a, they're a little spiritually exhausted and you know you need to give them a little extra umph you know you get in an evangelist and evangelist tends to be a little bit more fiery a little bit more you know kind of charged up and he'll come in and maybe start on a wednesday and you'll have church wednesday night thursday night friday night saturday night and then sunday and normally pentecostal churches have a sunday night and a, a sunday morning and a sunday night service so so you know by sunday night people are foaming at the mouth for a very different reason um, but it looks similar. <laughs> I mean, actually, it kind of does. You know, people are falling out in the spirit. They're shaking and trembling and speaking in tongues. And, you know, I mean, I've always drawn a lot of parallels between the club world and and in a way that the kind of uh, the kind of Dionysian catharsis that goes on in that whole process of losing yourself in the music, whether it's, you know, enhanced by, you know, chemical substances or not. There's a, there's a certain... Uh, release that I think happens that is not so dissimilar to what people go through uh, in that Pentecostal evangelical kind of, um, you know, release that happens when they, when they, it's called being, you know, filled with the spirit. Um, it's just a, you know, instead of a spirit that you can buy at the alcohol store, it's a, <laughs> it's one that comes from somewhere else. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I've always said, you know, like, uh, for me, the club is is a, is is a church. It's just a church where you know, without the judgment, you know. And um, but if God is a DJ, I mean, I have to say these days, you know, I, my my thing is, well, go get a new job because I'm I'm really over this shit he's been playing, you know. So I mean, in those days, it felt like God was a DJ because the music was was hitting me right in my soul. Whereas it's it's not uncommon for me now to walk in and just think, I I, I I'm not I'm not getting anything from this. 
I hate to say it, but for me, Eric Murillo was my god. And and obviously, what's unfolded recently is ugly and awful and terrible. And Sorry. I'm not, you know, but but back then, you know, 20 years ago, when that story wasn't in the pipeline, I mean, I used to walk into yeah. Pasha and see him play on a Wednesday night at Subliminal and be like, I'd walk out of there like almost levitating I'd be so high off of what I just experienced Absolutely. not from anything other than just the music he yeah. was my god and I really there was something so spiritual that used to happen on the dance floor and everybody came together everyone was smiling it was like a real community of of worshippers and you know whatever's happened has happened I don't really want to go down that road on this particular no, podcast but, but I think it's very interesting it is interesting and I think it's a really good point that you that you bring that up because in the same way that you know the church has uh, its leaders that fall um, and people are very disillusioned when their pastor is suddenly discovered to be, I don't know, embezzling money or uh, having sex with a whore or whatever, you know, all these scandals that come out. Or yoga but, teachers. Or, 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 or yoga teachers, anybody that we put on a pedestal in any way whatsoever. But, but the truth is, it, it, you know, whatever experience you've had under their leadership or under their direction, um, whether it's a DJ in the music that they play or whether it's a pastor and his, uh, his sermons and uh, his spiritual guidance, you know, it doesn't invalidate that experience. You know, I, I think, um, you know, if you did go to a, you know, party where Eric Merle was DJing and you had, you know, had this incredible levitating spiritual experience, the thing is, that was real, you know, because, and we don't, we're not going to make any judgments about whatever it was that was going on with, uh, with, with, with him at the time because, uh, you know, ultimately, it doesn't take away from whatever the experience was that you were having. In the same way that you know, uh, if you have a relationship with God and it's you know, and it's and it's a pure connection that you have with your higher power, you know, then if your pastor screws up, uh, I mean, that's that's sad. But actually, that's your moment to stand up and be the spiritual guidance guidance for him, not not kick people when they're down. Actually, instead, show the love and forgiveness and kindness that perhaps they need because they're struggling. You know, I, I think the church is bad for that. You know, it's like the, all that. You know, actually, it's it, sometimes the the preacher needs some love and care. You know, um, and I and you know I've seen my dad over the years because he's, you know, he was all the his whole entire life he's now retired, but he was pastoring churches. And man, it's it's tough. People love you when you're up, but if you if if if, if you disappoint them. They're not there to give you that, you know, he's he's up at three in the morning to make sure that, you know, if somebody's kids in the hospital, he's there to pray with them or he's there to kind of take care of everybody. But when you need taken care of, the church is often not there for you. And I think the same thing could be said of, of, of almost, you know, any community, the dance music community needs to look after each other. So anyway, got my little soapbox for a minute there. Just <laughs> a little tangent that we've uh, we've uh, catapulted off on. But let's get back to the revival because yes. I feel like this is a very spiritual project in so many ways, not just because of the feel-good vibes and those sensations that, um, you know, that kind of music can recreate. And I think the neural pathways as well of recollection are you know, nothing short of almost godly at times when that track that, you know, you remember from way back when comes back into your consciousness. You know, even people with Alzheimer's like get jarred and stirred and shaken by remembering those kinds of um, recollections and, and memories. So I think it's, you know, what you're doing is really beautiful. Well, you know, came the, the idea really um, started with a, a friend of mine um, who's based in Los Angeles, and he, he, he around the beginning of the pandemic, he called me at some point. He's, he doesn't work in music at all, um, but he's loved house music for a very long time. And he just said, hey, you know, I'm not really loving the music coming out these days. It just feels to me a little bit lackluster, you know. Uh, and the truth is, you know, because of the situation with music, uh, if you're going into music to try to earn some money back from it, you know, if you're cutting a record hoping to kind of get a return that will at least cover your costs, you got to keep your costs way down because let's face it, no one's buying music. So you're only going to get money from either streaming, which is what point zero 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 one. you know, you got to have a lot of streams to make back 500 pounds or whatever it is you're investing. So, you know, people are putting a lot less money, a lot of less care and craftsmanship into the making of music, partly for just financial reasons and the way it's structured these days. So he just said, look, I'm in a situation where I don't have to care about that. I don't want to make music for any other reason just to have for myself. I want it for my, my workouts, for my friends on a Friday night around the house. And I'd like to have some records because a lot of his friends 
weren't house heads. They didn't, you know, they they were more kind of Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen kind of people. He's like, I want records that they'll know and recognize, but I want them done in this sort of really elevated, incredible. You no, know, I, I can afford to get. Whatever musicians you want to get, and get real bass players, get piano players, get a, put a gospel choir on if you want, get the top best vocalists you can find. Like he said, I don't care. I just want this record made in the best possible way it can be made with a, with a world class producer. Okay, so that's how we started, you know. And I got got in touch with James Reynolds. He's incredible. Uh, I'd worked with him a lot, and he was very well known producer in the kind of well, both in house and the pop world. But I can't usually afford to, to use James. So it was like, hey, James, <laughs> I can afford you. <laughs> can you want to come on board this project? And, um, and that's how we started. We started, we selected five records. We did those five. Then we selected another five. We did those. We just kept going until suddenly we had like 18 records. And it was like, oh, my God. And the, and the music, was, it was so what good. What about sunrise? What about rain? What about all the things that you said we were to gain? What about killing fields? Is there a time? What about all the things that you said was yours and mine? Did you ever stop to notice all the blood we shed before? Did you ever stop to notice this crying earth, these weeping shores? Ah. You know, I mean, we've done, you know, Aretha Franklin's Think. We've done Michael Jackson's uh, Earth Song, uh, what we were calling What About Us. We've done Stevie Wonder's um, Uptight. Uh, you know, it's just... The quality of these records was on a level that it was just kind of like, wow. I mean, I kept saying, this isn't even house. This is penthouse. You know, it's like it's like it's been taken to some level that I have not heard done in a very, very, very long time, if at all. You know, we spent three days at Abbey Road Studios with a 20-voice gospel choir. We had Kathy Brown, Phoebe Edwards, Brian Chambers, um, just you know, incredible musicians. Uh, you know, uh, then we spent a whole day with live strings. I mean, the, you know, we were in Studio 2, of course, where the Beatles, I mean, the, the studio at Abbey Road where they, you know, recorded and spent three consecutive days there putting all of these elements onto eight of the records that we've done. And it was just magical. You know, the result is something that's just kind of unlike anything that's out there at the moment. It's it's house music, and, 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 and it's also, you know, harking back to records that have stood the test of time and uh, people love and know, um, but bringing them back, reinvigorating the songs, uh, but in a, in a way that, that pays tribute to these songs, I think, in a way that is deserving, you know. Um, if you're going to remake a, a, a great record, girl you better do it right you know or don't do it at all because you know uh, you don't you don't you don't mess with Aretha you don't mess with George Michael's freedom unless you know that you can bring something to it that's gonna you know that's gonna 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 stand up and actually match the quality of the actual record uh, and I think you know I think that's what we've done and um, and it's exciting and, and and also with an ethos to like actually because we're not really trying to like make money it's not it's not really a, a, it's actually kind of almost like a not-for-profit um, venture where we are hoping to create a, a label and a brand that will generate you know um, enough to kind of cover what what it is we want to do but we're not looking to make a profit so we're wanting to shine the light on the artists it's not about you know so many dance music artists have been overlooked you know they've written the record they've 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 featured on the record and yet in the end their name doesn't even come out on the record this has been happening for so long we want to actually highlight the artists the singers the musicians everybody who takes part in the creative process of these records is going to be you know really you know we're going to we're going to really kind of highlight who they are so that people know the names of these artists and benefit from that 
and everything about it and the events you know we're going to put on some amazing events and we really want to create an experience that when you you know when you leave you're just like it's like having been to some church service where you would really just leave like with your soul filled up you know you didn't just come and just get like a dj playing some music no you know you came and you got an experience that was interactive and it was live and it was real you know it was there was something going on there there's content you know there's a multi-layered lasagna of spiritual experience where you know whether you go home drunk or high or you but you but you go home high at least for natural reasons for sure you know and and that's 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 what we're that's what we're hoping to create and and we'll see but i'm uh, very optimistic because so far um yeah Things are looking good. <laughs> what was it like going into Abbey Road Studios and, and who decided to go and record there and why? That was actually, I think the idea of doing it was originally um, came from Greg Perlman, who is the uh, this uh, <laughs> just extraordinary human being who's kind of at the helm of all of this. Um, and he he just decided, yeah, I want us to, I mean, you know, we had decided we wanted to put a choir you know, we really wanted a real choir. I, you know, I can put, I can, me and one girl can record, multi-layer our voices in slightly different tones. And we can, I, I've got gospel choir sounds on a lot of my records. But of course I couldn't afford to, you know, to, to bring in 20 singers. And so we would just, you know, be me, uh, you know, what we call stacking, you know, the vocals. You can get that sound. It's not quite the same, but it's not that far off. But what we really wanted was the experience. Um, we wanted, you know, uh, we really wanted to have an actual real choir on these records. And so he decided he wanted to get Abbey Road, you know, um, and we called up to see if we could find uh, a place. It was very hard. And then it just happened that there was a cancellation. So that was lucky. And we secured these three days. And then we decided actually that, well, we're going to use two days for the choir and all the featured vocalists. And then we're also going to spend a day having strings, all live strings. I mean, it just makes such a difference, you know. I mean, most, most house records you hear it's just you know it's programmed um, it's programmed uh, instruments or it's uh, you, you know you you know you don't get a, an orchestra playing in the in the in the track so um, so it just it adds a level of kind of just depth and and, and class to the records and uh, and, it, and it really was walking in and and also seeing the effect it had on the musicians some of these singers like you know they've been around for a long time they've never been in Abbey Road Studios or maybe they've been there but doing backing vocals but now they're doing they are the stars you know uh, they're getting to do uh, the featured uh, vocals and, be, and, and, and I could just see that elevating everybody's spirits especially after two years the pandemic was tough you know so to do something where it kind of just also revived us you know I think I think everybody needed a little boost it was just needed to be part of something that felt like just felt like it wasn't just another project. They were being paid to be part of it, and they were being paid well. You know, they were being paid decently instead of somebody trying to just get a deal out of them. And they were also being treated with respect. And they also felt like they were a part of something that was, you know, that had soul. You know, that that was, you know, that wasn't just uh, about making another record. This is about something much, much bigger and much more important. And um, and so you know, it's really nice. What's what's forming is something I've been missing for the twenty years of my career since Head Candy. I never have had again since that time a label. It's a, as an independent artist, you're just working with different labels. But I never had that sort of uh, camaraderie and that support. You know, it's like yeah, you've got your friends in the community, but I haven't had that feeling of just uh, you know being part of a being part of something. You know, and and and, and this feels like we're just at the very beginning of, of developing a family of people that are going to support each other, that are going to, you know, respect each other, be there for each other, uh, and hold each other up. Uh, because if you're in music, you know, you need uh, a little grounding. You need some love and care, you know, like we were talking about before. And there's not a lot of people there to give it to you. So I'm just cutting into today's chat to remind you of our next Reset Rebel retreat. It's in Ibiza in September 9th to the 12th. 
It's three nights over a very short weekend where we will practice music infused flow yoga in the campo close to Portanac. Go hiking every day, eat amazing high vibes food. We're going to an electronic dance music meditation on the roof of Nobu to the Soku sessions. And then we're finishing everything off with a sunset dinner at Los Enamorados down in the port of Portanac, which is, of course, the lover's restaurant and has the most beautiful view overlooking the bay there i cannot wait to invite you um, to come and join us for that three-day reset the details are on the resetrebel.com website slash blog and you'll find all the details there as well as the link in our show notes going back now to our conversation and we've seen again and again you know the the effect that uh, this road less traveled by for those who don't navigate it well, can have so many, too many early deaths, too many people, uh, you know, struggling. Uh, and I, and I want to, you know, in some ways, just just by creating that foundation for people to feel like they've got somebody who, who's got who's holding the string to their kite, you know, um, to hopefully, uh, you know, give a little bit of direction to to others as I'm getting older. I can now, you know, pass on my wisdom. <laughs> what's what's Greg's reasoning for wanting to put this together? What's the what's the you know the why behind the behind the record? You know what, Greg's Greg, well, the reasoning in the beginning literally was just because he could. I mean, Greg's a philanthropist, humanitarian, he has a lot of foundations and organizations. He does all kinds of stuff, very creative stuff, which he's completely one hundred percent in control of. You know, not, not a charity that he gives five percent of. No, this man, he, he just spends his life coming up with ways to to effectively help people who are in need. He's an, he's just you don't meet people like this every day. He's and so, but but initially, it really was just because he just wanted the music for himself. It was it was never really for, about anything else. And then, as we realized that you know it would be selfish almost to just keep it for ourselves. I, you know, we decided, well, maybe we should put it out, you know, and just, you know, at least make it available. And then as as we kind of continued to talk about it, there came a point where it was like we suddenly realized that actually we could do something where this was benefit. As soon as we found the this angle where it was like, but I said to him, you know, you realize like all the artists I've been getting, you know, to come and feature, you know, um, the people that I'm using for all the different, you know, uh, aspects of, of the of the record you know, all these artists were, have been really in need. They're so grateful for the work. You know, you know, you're you're helping all these people uh, in, in in other ways in the states, but but these are artists that are actually benefiting. I mean, they're 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 giving something back, but they're being paid for something. And there's there's a lot of them are really have been really struggling. And I said, so I said, you know, in a way, this is kind of also like a foundation in a way. We're we're giving artists a chance to work, you know. And then as soon as we could see that there was a way that this could actually become something even more, this was more than just a label. He was never in it for the money, you know. He didn't, you know. And if you if you want to make money, don't go into music, you know. I mean, you know, it's it's like telling somebody who's you know got a few thousand pounds in savings like to open a restaurant. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. You know what I mean? It's like, well, <laughs> okay, good luck with that. Music, same thing. It's a gamble, you know. Even if you've got a lot of money and you can throw at it, I mean, the chances still, you know, there's no, there's no guarantee you're going to get a return. So, so, but, but for us, you know, as soon as we kind of saw that, we started developing that idea, and it was like, no, well, this, we can create more opportunities for artists. We can actually. Uh, you know, we you know because we we'll take this live. We'll do a lot of live events. It'll be all about the live events. You know, we'll and so and so little by little, we can create more and more and more opportunities for artists. And then when we get to a point where at some point we're actually breaking even and we covered our costs, we can actually give a percentage of the money that we would be making that the label would be making would go back to the artists. Mm-hmm. So we can actually maybe perhaps create some new streams of revenue for artists that they've never ever had because. A label would never really do that, you know. Um, so, so we're looking at all kinds of ways that we can, you know, perhaps make this actually just something that benefits people in a way, um, you know, also financially, the people, the people that are never looked after, you know. Uh, Sounds a bit like a, a circular economy, like a regenerational kind of idea where, you know, people that really kind of should have been making that money all those years gone by are finally getting their, you know, um, pennies back in the pot. And, and actually, you know, never has there been a moment, as you just pointed out, two years, most people not performed, not made a single penny and are really, really kind of, you know, in need of this summer, particularly on Ibiza as well. 
well, you know, to go with a bit of a swing and for it to be busy and to, you know, get kind of back on their, their perch. And, you know, I'm interested, how did you meet Greg? Because there's there's got to be a good story in there. You don't run into those kind of people um, too often in one lifetime. No, you don't. Um, and that is, it is a great story. Uh, I'll try to, <laughs> like all great stories, it's, I'm, I'm not great at being pithy anyway, but um, <laughs> as you probably noticed. You're very high energy. I'm like, Jesus, where does this guy get it from? It can't just be the Agricon gas. Oh, God. Uh, well, no, I mean, I mean, and actually there's no gas in this agua, by the way. It's the worst Perrier I've ever had in my life. But <laughs> it came from the uh, the free tap. <laughs> look at, look at oh, oh, did it? All right. But, oh, you just serve it in a Perrier bottle to, to look. Just to make it look good. I mean, it's yeah. all about the regeneration here, right? Sophisticated. We're reviving the water. Yeah, well, listen, I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the water um, <laughs> at this stage. No, I, you know, I am, uh, I, 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 I had, in 2014, I got a call from my manager and he said, um, look, I, I, I had this guy get in touch and he, he, he's based in LA. Uh, he's he's a businessman, but he loves house music. He's been listening to your music since 2003, since a higher place. His whole family's been listening to your music. They they all love it. But you know, I mean, I didn't. None of these people had been on my social media or have ever been in touch in any other way. And it turns out none of them had actually even tried. So they didn't even know what I looked like. In fact, they all thought I was black until I I think arrived in uh, Los Angeles. So. So he got in touch and said, you know, my, my, my wife is having a big birthday. I want to give her something special, something in a way money can't buy, you know, just, you know, uh, that, that would be completely and totally unique. And I'm wondering if Peyton perhaps would be interested in helping, you know, kind of write a song that would be, you know, inspired by my love for her and that he could then fly to L.A. at her big birthday party and as a total surprise, step out of nowhere and perform to her from me. And I like, was like, whoa, all right, that's a pretty tall order. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> put me in touch with this guy directly. I'll have a chat with him. So we talked. He told me the history of how he started, you know, heard my first record. Then, you know, kind of in those days, yeah, especially if you were in the States, you know, you kind of had to get the record store to kind of remind you when something came in, you know, and then you'd, or you'd order something and it would take six weeks to get it. And he was so, anytime I put out anything, he was, you know, he was always following and, and he, and, and, that, and that his kids were young and they all knew the record, you know, they all knew the words. I mean, his daughter was like six years old and she'd be in the car singing all the words to a higher place. The, all of these people who are now very much part of my life all these years later. So, he, so anyway, I said, well, look, all right, look, let's give this a go. I can't promise you it's going to be the thing that, you know, I mean, I don't know. You know, if music is kind of very subjective. So let's give it a go. Write down 10 words that for you define your wife. Give me, uh, you know, give me a few, you know, sentences that, you know, about um, how you met and what she looked like when you first saw her and what these years to you have meant or whatever. So, he, you know, he, he did all that for me. And I started crafting and sculpting this this song that actually, I, you know, I've written a lot of songs, but for me, it's one of my, I think, one of you know, the best poems, you know, sort of because a song really is just a poem, poem, and it's just, you know, I was chipping, 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 and, you know, and, and in the way it's, it's called "The Way I Love You," and, um, and can you can you recite it for us? The words, yes, I can. Uh, only twenty, I wasn't looking for anyone. I knew I'd find you someday. Never dreamed it could be this fun. You blew along with your wings thundering like a hurricane. That day I knew I'd never be the same. It was you on the stairs and a smile that could tear the sky. And it's you who I want till the day I die. If I'm asleep, don't wake me up. Please hang a sign saying, do not disturb. I'm nobody without you, but with you I rule the world. You are the angel in my dreams. You are the air I need to breathe. You struck lightning to my heart. You are fire in the dark. I'll spend my whole life loving you. It still won't be enough when we are through. I'll never, 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 never love the way I love you. <laughs> oh my god, that's so lovely. Yeah, yeah. God, that was that was a real cerebral effort there. Okay. You know what it is? Is like 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 reciting lyrics without singing them. You know, because it's it's actually the it's, it's the notes that kind of give you the the memory uh, the memory muscle. But yeah, so I did that, and uh, yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it was hilarious. Uh, I mean, I step out in this little sequin jacket at this beautiful Los Angeles, uh, you know, birthday. Uh, huge you know just great big party 
Jody uh, is his wife's name, who's just. <sighs> I mean, this woman as well. I mean, the two of them, I don't know where these people come from. They, they are not, they're not normal human species. It's like they just exude love. They exude, they exude warmth and generosity that is just so genuine, you know. It just gives you, it, you know, it, it, was on a, it was on a level, you know, I grew up with ministers. So in a way, I think everything I do in terms of music has always also been about ministry, um, not in a religious way, but for me, I never did lose that connection. I can't walk out onto a stage and just sort of like, I can't not ask for the higher power or whatever that's bigger than me that gave me the gift not to help me use it, for, you know, be a vessel. This is what it's about for me. And it always, and if it weren't, weren't about that, I wouldn't want to do it. It's, it's, it's just not interesting to me. So in a way, it's meeting them. It, they were kind of like-minded and, uh, I mean, they're Jewish. They, you know, they, they, they didn't come from any of that. And yet, they are totally on that tip, you know. So I, I needed... When they came into my life, they kind of, they revived me, you know. They kind of just gave me that. You know, we all need to be reminded that there are people that are like that because it just gives you a little bit of like, oh, my God. Okay, yeah, there are good people in the world. And, like, you know, because we're seeing all this shit, you know. Your arms, I mean, my God, you're holding that microphone up, honey. I mean, really? I'm just working on my biceps. Jeez, it's really impressive. But you must have amazing, amazing arms. This way, I feel like the, the conversation uh, is actually, like you know, directed. Like if you're nasty. <laughs> it's all about control. I see. Listening to me is, is like, uh, one of the most important things in the world. And I think if you both have microphones and you just like kind of talk over each other then you've got this big sound crash and I think you know it's interesting actually I was on a panel at the Women's International Podcast Festival at the weekend and I was directing a, an interview techniques panel and it was the same thing it was like you know what's the key part of interviewing someone it's all about the listening and people don't listen anymore and it really drives me honestly you've been very generous I have to say because I've talked a lot <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, I think God, and even in my own podcast, you know, I watch them back when I'm, I, cause I'm doing some for the revival artists. And it's like, I think, oh, God, I think I talked more than my guest, you know, but I mean, I, I do love to chat, but I also like to listen and I like to read, you know, like nowadays with the social media, everything's like got to be like, you know, you know, it's got to be two seconds long. You can't, you know, I mean, I, I, I've given up. I don't I, <laughs> you know me. I'm like I'm sorry. I'm like a tall story in a Twitter universe. It's just like I don't, I don't know. I, I, I I'll like, tell you what the penance you can pay is. is if me. you sing me, I've got peace deep in my soul. That will just warm my cockles, and all will be forgiven. Well, just for saying the word cockles, I get. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I have a big. I don't know how what the compression is on your mic. I'm but gonna hold. I'm gonna hold I'm it over here a little away, bit. You know. <laughs> I'm ready. You ready? I've got peace. Deep in my soul, I've got love making me whole. Since you've opened up your heart and shined on me. Dun -dun 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 -dun. That's the piano bit, by the way. Dun -dun -dun. When I wake up in the morning, I'm giving thanks, I'm giving praise, I'm giving love, cause he's giving me another day. Dun, dun, dun. And when I lose my weight, I'm not afraid to say I just ask him for what I need Cause he's shining bright on me yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, I did come like straight from like, you know, my house, my bed, home, car here <laughs> This song, when I perform it live, I'm singing it over Andrea Love Because I don't have um, the instrumental and so... I'm using the original record, and got, I've got her main lead vocal, the original artist. Um, and then I just do this big, really high, like, harmony part, you know, above it. So that together, it's like two full voices kind of doing it, and it works. I just, I love the record so much, I always perform it live, but it's so funny. It's like a kind of, you know, a, a, poor Andrea, I've dragged her around the world doing these duets with me that she doesn't even really know about. <laughs> Never got her permission. It's just like, well, love, sorry, but you're coming with me. Does she know about this? Actually, she does. I sang with, actually, because of Greg, I actually met her because um, he loves that record as well. And I performed with her at his, at the after party for that, um, for that birthday event. She was actually funny. That was very, that was, you're good. 
How did we get back? I mean, we actually managed to like, uh, wow. It's the circular uh, podcast economy. You are definitely in tune with the universe. There's something, <laughs> I love that. We've managed to get back to where we were on the road. And yeah, and and so really, now that we're finally completing the circle, I mean, do we even need to like go on? I mean, it feels, it feels redundant to just even try. That does feel like a good place to end this, actually. Well, Is there maybe one track that you can give me a little taster of that I can maybe end the podcast on? That I can just like play a little teaser. We're not going to play the full thing because I know it's not ready yet, but I don't know when the album is coming out, but maybe that's how we're going to end today. Well, of course, um, the first record, which is currently being promoted to DJs, um, and uh, but will be um, available across all platforms uh, in the not-so-distant future, is... Um, is the is the is the rework of uh, Michael Jackson's Earth song that we've done, and um, it's called "What About Us." It's featuring uh, Phoebe Edwards, um, Annalisa Lamola, um, Greg Gould, and Kathy Brown, and uh, the Geo Gospel Choir, and it is really something else. <laughs> um, I'll show you the music video in a little bit, but I will I, I absolutely give you a give you a little taste of that, and uh, and we're looking at doing a, an event. Towards the end of the summer uh, at Pikes, uh, kind of we're doing some launch events at cities around the world, but doing one very boutique one here in um, just a, uh, a lovely uh, event, which I hopefully you'll be able to come to um, at, uh, of course, the legendary Pikes Hotel, perhaps in early October. So that's exciting. And um, yeah, so um, but, you know, uh, revival, uh, we've got uh, a hashtag is join our revival. And um, I think the link tree. Uh, Link it's it's link tree uh, it's it's join our revival Facebook it's join our revival so yeah um, we're just kind of getting everything set up but by all means kind of uh, get yourself kind of keyed in if you are a, a lover of music in general um, it doesn't even have to be dance music this is music that you know we really want to uh, potentially appeal to a very wide demographic of people you know we're not trying to make music that's going to going to necessarily uh, just strike a chord with the 19 to 24 year olds who are maybe in a nightclub uh, really looking to make music that you'll want to listen to on a Wednesday afternoon or uh, you know when you're doing laundry at the weekend or dancing around the house or with your friends uh, or in the car or you know it's just it's just music that you, it's just quality music that you want to hear anytime um, and um, and hopefully uh, you know bring some events uh, out that you know maybe people that don't want to be partying in a scuzzy uh, club anymore at three in the morning. I mean, I know that you're, 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 you know, you're known for being pretty wild and going out at all sorts of hours and being a lot, you know, but, but a lot of us have moved on from that, Joe. And I really think perhaps it would be a good time for you to consider moving on from that. Too. <laughs> I do I need that. to get myself I together. I love, I love the graduating look on your face. Kind of like, does he know something that, what, <laughs> what is he talking about? No, you know, you know, we're at a point in our lives where we don't want to necessarily do that kind of partying, but we still, have it in us. You know, we still like a little little shimmy on the dance floor. And so maybe we want to do it at a brunch with a nice little, you know, um, Buck's Fizz or uh, and some, you know, and, like, and you're friends and it's daytime and you're still in bed by, I mean, not that I ever go to bed at 10 o'clock, but for people who do that, go to bed at 10, you know, and you, yeah, <laughs> you see? I am the grandma in the mix here. I definitely love to <laughs> love to be in bed by 10. Like, literally, that's almost too late for me. And um, last question. Um, clearly, um, you are not a man, um, as you just said, that, yeah. that likes to hang out in scuzzy hell holes anymore um, and party till 7 in the morning. How do you reset? Like, that's one question that we always try and finish with um, with our guests. One of those rewords begin. There's 4,000 of them. How do you, uh, you know, sort of change the game on a, maybe a, a moment where you're not feeling uh, in the finest of forms? How do I reset? You mean you mean physically or yeah, um, yeah. Well, I have I've, I've always uh, I mean not always, but you know I think for a long time I, I developed early on because I was working in that world. I needed a a kind of strategy for survival that would keep me alive. You know, um, you really do have to compensate in some way. The, the problem is, you know, you know, nothing wrong with having a good time. Whatever your definition, of, well, I mean, it may, there may be something wrong with it, but. You know, most definitions of having a good time are probably okay, as long as you are compensating. So, you know, uh, it's hydration. It's, um, I mean, I would, of course, if I say sleep, everybody will laugh who's listening to this because that is actually a little bit hypocritical of me because I'm, I'm not somebody who sleeps an enormous amount. But you should 
because I listen to a lot of podcasts on sleep, and apparently it's incredibly important. And you're looking at me like it is. Um, but it's, it's, it's also what you eat. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, smoothies. You know, I mean, I, I would get up knowing that I have the flight, but I would wake up and I'd have my healthy sort of smoothie with, uh, you know, the green vibrance with all the spirulina and all the stuff in it. I mean, even during, during a party, you know what I mean? At some point, you know, I, I, it's not a Coca-Cola I want. I, what I really want is a, you know, is a green smoothie full of vegetables and ginger, you know, it's like, uh, so it's, it's that balance. And sometimes it, you know, I'd go to Bikram yoga and sweat for an hour and a half and then have a, you know, a fresh squeezed uh, juice and, uh, and then go off and be in a nightclub. And uh, it's like the it's extremes almost, you know, if, if you, if you have an extreme lifestyle, you have to find an extreme form of compensation. Um, you can't just, you know, don't have a purdies and think that you're all, you know, that's going to do it. Which is, yeah, yeah, isn't that hilarious? Like, remember Purdy's? The silver bottle. Still exists. And it's like, really? I mean, yeah, that, that was the health drink back like 25 years ago. And it's like, babes, that's. It was all about the Barocca in my time. <laughs> yeah, or Barocca. Well, actually, that, that still holds up a little bit. Everybody still lives by, by, by the Barocca. But yeah, you know, supplements, nutrients, and also just taking time to be still you know take time do you ever do that Peyton I've not seen you like literally come up for air I had one whole year in Ibiza during the first year of the pandemic and I was alone and we were under house arrest here you know as you know it was pretty extreme it was probably the first time in a long time I had that kind of level of stillness where I just I didn't have to be anywhere I didn't have to be on a plane I didn't have to entertain I didn't have to pack a bag I didn't have to do anything except just be and it was Pretty weird for a bit, and then it was like, okay, yeah, this is amazing. I need this. I need this time. I need this. Uh, I need this moment to just not have to kind of be anything for anybody except figure out who I who I am and who I want to be for myself. I have my cat, and uh, that stillness it flipped something for me that now I'm taking forward, and I realize I will never be the same. I mean, I'm for all of the bad things that you know. The, the pandemic brought into our lives, the things we lost. For me, there were a lot of gains. And I think for a lot of people, if you search enough, you know, there, there, there were probably gains for everybody in some way. Um, and I hope people don't lose sight of those things, you know, too quickly. I mean, I feel like everybody's just moving on, but we haven't had a moment to go, hey, I'm still mildly traumatized by all of that. I mean, I'm just like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still like a little like, whoa. And yet everyone's just like, like oh, yeah, unceremonious return to the real world. And I'm like, really? We're not going to have some like, like a moment, like some fireworks, we were kind of like, I don't know, I feel like I want to mark the end of it, but, but, but there is no end to it. So we're just going on, and I don't know. I'm, I, I'm okay. All right, well, <laughs> whatever. How was it? How was it? To, you just said it was a bit weird, but what was it like to really meet yourself? Because that's really what it was about, I think, you know, for, for everyone. It was like, ah, oh, this is what this is what's left when there's nobody surrounding me. There's no yeah. busy, there's no yeah. intensity, there's no madness, there's nothing to tap into, to tap out of what is here. And that is basically just you. It was, um, I think it was hard uh, uh, for a while, very hard. Um, and then it was liberating. I realized, uh, I think I had, you know, uh, been in this sort of fast forward m- kind of mode for so long always always bringing people together or making people feel okay or somehow you know um using my time and effort and energy to 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 expel energy but not necessarily taking the time to just actually uh take care of of me and 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 I'm also one of those people that just struggles with you know so saying no you know they you know I mean Oprah said years ago, like one of the best things she ever learned was being able to just say no, you know, whereas I struggle with that, you know, like, uh, and whereas now I feel like I don't, I don't, I don't need to always be out. I don't need to be, I don't need, the, I don't need the number of people that I had in my life before. I don't need the number of events. I don't need it. And I guess, I guess maybe I thought before I did, I don't know, but I, now I'm like, actually I'm loving in fact, I'm struggling to return to this, you know, to the social side of it. Um, I mean, that may not seem uh, obvious right now because I'm very chatty. But I mean, the truth is I have struggled to get back on that horse uh, 
it was quite extreme to be completely alone for so long. And then it was just like, oh, my God, you know, really? And now if I go, it's like a few hours. But you know, quite quickly, I'm like, I'm ready to go back home. So it was, you know, it was good for me. It was really, really, really good just to, to understand that I don't need all that noise. I don't need all that uh you know, all and, and 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 I don't need to be everything for everybody all the time. You know, uh, actually, you know, what I need to just be is just still. I learned when I knew when the moon was going to be full. I didn't need to Google it. I knew when the moon was going to be full, and 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 I I, I knew when the sun was going to set. I mean, like nature became for me my best friend because it was the thing I was closest to. You know, it was like I had no distractions. I was just on my house in my house in Ibiza. And that was uh, that was it was a it was actually a kind of almost like a like a courting of a, a new a new relationship. It kind of felt like I'd fallen in love with like a you know with nature. And I mean, it sounds really it just sounds really naff, but you know, uh, it was it was uh, it it was really quite an, a kind of. Um, uh, How could that possibly be naff? That's like the oh most God, beautiful I mean, uh, thing. Yeah, I want to find, like, find more poetic words for it. I mean, like, I don't know. It just, it was like, you know, I just, I, I would go outside. And of course, you know, I, I'm a night person. I'm Whereabouts with the house? The house was in Sacaleta, just uh, with a beautiful view of the sea. And uh, just me and my, my cat, my, you know, I mean, at least nine months pretty much there by myself. So, um, for me to just like, and because I'm very nocturnal, you know, I, I like the night. It's still. It's also the time of the day that nobody's calling you. Nobody needs anything from you. The world is quiet. Everybody else is sleeping, but you're awake. <laughs> I love this. Now, I know it's not medically, uh, you know, advised uh, because we're supposed to have sleep in that, you know, circadian rhythm time. I know. But whatever. We're all a little different. And I would be just looking at the stars and like, that sea and and the whole island was so still and the world was in that weird place and I don't know and it was just like I, I just connected in a way that I never I don't think I've ever had the time or the focus you know uh, to just slow down and kind of be like wow and really feel how small I am you know really feel how how inconsequential and insignificant in a way I am in, in the, this big picture, but how short and brief life is. And then just put everything in perspective, you know, when you really do look at it from that point where you're just like, wow, the stuff that we get ourselves in a state about, the stuff we focus our energy and time on, what the hell is that all about? You know, what a waste of this tiny little blip of life we have. Make yours count, focus on love, you know, figure out what matters. Ian Forster said, you know, death destroys a man, but the idea of death saves him. If you don't figure it out, what was the point? You know, you got this little time. This is it. You know, and so, I mean, I was like, you know, everybody's moaning, and I also moaned. It was tough. And then it's like, you know what, Jesus, actually, hey, huh, wow, I'm here. Let's go to then the fact that, you know, you just made this uh, single about the war in the Ukraine. And um, I really loved just finally that track that you recorded, because I think, yeah, as you've just pointed out, you know, we haven't had a rough ride, really, compared to the rest of the world. In fact, we are disgustingly privileged. And I'm sure like nine months in Zacaleta actually, to me, sounds like an absolute dream. What inspired you to, to make that last track? Sorry. Um well, actually, the the song itself was from my album uh, "Sinners Got Sold Too," which was which was an album that came out in two thousand and sixteen. So, the record's called Jericho, um, and the original music video uh, for uh, Jericho was because uh, it was one of the singles from the album. Um, was uh, was an incredible creative kind of collaboration with my friend Kathy McDougal, um, and I when the when the Ukraine war started, I I, I, I took that video because one of the things I did during the two year pandemic when I had all this time was teach myself video editing it was like I started you know and and music a bit of music production recording and I started getting my kind of my my head around technical stuff that I had always been very bad at and um so and I just became obsessed with you know with creating videos of all, all sorts you know just it was it was, a, it was a creative process that was very different from music uh, visual and and it was something that absorbed me and kept me kind of you know focused and so I I took that music video that we'd done and then recreated it um, to uh, to be about, you know, um, 
what was going on in Ukraine and to raise awareness of ways that people could get involved in a positive way um, to help people. Um, I've worked a lot in Russia. I've worked a lot in Ukraine. Um, uh, performed many, many times in both of those countries. And uh, and it's 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 it was really sad, uh, so sad for me to see this from both sides. You know, I know the people on both sides that are struggling um, as a result and don't want this war. And so I, I used it as a kind of, as a way to, I don't know, do something. I, my feeling is as an artist, if there's something, any whatever it is you do, you know, find a way to kind of just to make to make your voice heard, to 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 give something. You know, you we always feel so helpless in everything. Um, you know, everything feels so much bigger than us. I always think there's you know a way to kind of give something back that maybe if you don't have money that doesn't cost you. Or and as an artist, we have that option. So that was why I did that, and it's. Um, and I don't know if it's made a difference, but it made me feel that I was doing something when I was so frustrated watching all of that. And we're still watching it on the news, which is just heartbreaking. But anyway, um, yeah, so Jericho, it says, uh, down, down, deep, deep, deep in my soul, we've got love and it's making me whole. So brick by brick, you keep building your wall. And just like Jericho, uh, we'll fight till it falls. Uh, and it's just about the power of love to overcome anything, to break down walls, to keep us connected, um, and to, you know, um, yeah, love is the most powerful force in the universe. Uh, we just need to start using it. That is a perfect way to end. Thank you so, so much, uh, Peyton, for joining us here on the Reset Rebel podcast. It's been an absolute joy. So nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. And sorry for talking so much, but what can I do? I, it's just, it's just, God gave me the gift of the gab, and I got to use it, Joe. I got to use it. <laughs> Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. Reset Rebel Coming to you every day